1: Perfecto. Perfecto. Gorgeous, gorgeous
0: girls. Gorgeous girls. All around the world, pretty girls, wipe the floor with all the boys. Pour the drinks, bring the noise. (laughs) Fun fact, um, I sent in a demo for that song and got rejected.
1: You sent in a demo?
0: Yeah. (laughs) To the label.
1: Can you... Can you explain further?
0: Yeah, I sent it it on a tape.
1: What do you mean to demo the song like (laughs) (laughs) before Britney or after Britney? Before. To be like, I should sing this song. And they said, no, no, we're going to get Britney to sing it. Is that what you mean?
0: I wrote the song from my bedroom.
1: (laughs) If you wrote it, it didn't get rejected. It got recorded by... International pop star Britney Spears featuring Iggy Azalea.
0: Yeah, I didn't get no credit.
1: <laughs> Written by. Oh my god, these types of songs always have like ten writers on them. And the lyrics are so funny. Perry Edwards, isn't that the girl from that group Little Mix? Yes, who who dated uh, who dated Zayn from yeah. One Direction? <clears throat> huh. She is a co-writer on Pretty Girls by Britney Spears. You know what's
0: so funny is I find like there's certain pop songs that will have like, like a rant, like someone you wouldn't expect. And you're like, oh, they were on that or they like contributed
1: to it. I love it. I, lo- I love seeing the credits behind stuff. Songs, albums, movies. Oh, really good segue. Thank you, Pearce. What are we talking about
0: today? Well, I'm actually really excited to talk about this because, girl on girl listeners, I love the movie "Bend It Like Beckham." You really do. I really do, and I gotta be honest. Like, I think it's so iconic; it is a classic movie. But there are definitely some problematic things that happen in that movie and the script. Um, I think for the time it was released. It was kind of like, okay, but then when you look back at the movie, you're like, oh, that was not okay for them to say, or how they like Mm -hmm. approached sexuality, for example, or stereotypes, even like Indian stereotypes, all that stuff. But I mean, I really wanted to talk about this because people say like Bend It Like Beckham was like the gayest love story never told. And I told Sarah that I wanted to talk about this because I did a little deep dive in the movie. And I totally agree with this. I think there's so many queer themes that have to do with the main characters. And then I wanted to also dive into like other movies that might have been better if they were just gay, like gay storylines.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of the movies we're going to talk about today, including Bendit Lake Like Beckham, are problematic now. Like watching them back in 2022, super problematic for many different reasons, not just how they handle queerness, but also how they handle the, the misogynistic storylines and all of that stuff. Um, but I kind of love that, like, the queer community almost, like, takes back their power when they're like, you know, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. When they're like, no, Bend it Like Beckham is a gay love story. And we're deciding it is. Like, you see this a lot with fanfic and stuff. Um, and speaking of fanfic, I just want to say before we dive in, there are some listeners of ours, ours that might be a little upset uh that we're not talking about certain tv shows like super corp for example um but guys this is just we're just talking about movies one of our favorite topics here at girl on girl but who knows maybe on a future episode we'll do a little uh tv deep dive
0: yeah i'd be down to do that i also love tv
1: i also love tv but movies are my first love I'm so excited for this topic. Anytime we get to talk about movies, I'm like, let's dive in, baby.
0: And Sarah and I really do love movies. Like we are the types of girls who like watch a movie and then we unpack every single detail. We research all the actors. I like to find articles about the movie to see like different theories or if there's anything I missed um, that we're. Oh, we
1: love a think piece here at Girl on Girl. We love a think piece.
0: I find it so fun. So, I wanted to talk about. This article that I found from Vice that kind of outlines the potential queer love story between the two main characters in Bend It Like Beckham, who are Jules and Jess. I want to give credit to Jill Gutowitz because this article was very uh, entertaining to read and I was actually like laughing at so many moments.
1: So quickly before we move on, Jill Gutowitz, this is not the first time we've mentioned Jill on the pod. <gasps>
0: Actually, when I saw that name, I was like, have we said this name before? Because when I said Jill Gutowitz, I'm like, oh, I've said this at some point.
1: Definitely. And I can't, guys, it's like on the tip of my tongue while we were talking about Jill. Oh, I know. Hold on. You know, when you're racking your brain for a thing and you have some of the pieces, but not all the pieces are there. Okay. I have, Um, I. it was when we were talking about that one New York Post article that was like, Oh, lesbian fashion is the new trend. Do you remember this? It was um it was an In Case You Missed It that we did, and they the New York Post based this article around some stuff that Jill Gutowitz had said completely taken out of context. Um, because Jill is um a queer writer and Jill was really upset by this. Anyway, I don't remember what episode of our pod that was, but <laughs> you guys want to listen back you'll probably hear it it was an interesting story it was very upsetting um but jill is is really well known for all of her work
0: yeah and we want to also say like jill we love you and we're so sorry that your words were like taken out of context that's so bullshit
1: it's bullshit and we promise on this episode today they won't be taken out of context girl
0: not at all
1: not Mm -mm. at all ma'am we got you we got you, we're, t- we're, we're quoting you directly, if anything.
0: Yeah, we really are. <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. No. Um, but basically the opening line says this, and I loved it. While Bend It Like Beckham is often mistaken for a coming of age story about soccer player best friends, many of us saw our own baby queer desires in Jess and Jules's relationship.
1: Did you, wait, I want to ask really quick. Did you, the first time you saw Bend It Like Beckham?
0: I think, to be honest, no. I did later on, though. Not when I first saw Bend It Like Beckham. I was pretty young. And I actually, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Christine Camosi because when I first watched Bend It Like Beckham, I kind of associated their friendship, like mine and Christine's relationship. And because I kind of look like Jess Bomra, who we'll, we'll explain for those who haven't seen Bend It Like Beckham, I kind of look like Jess. And Christine kind of looked like Jules, who's played by Kira Knightley uh we were both very in that
1: in that year indian and christine is white
0: no when christine was younger she had the she literally had the same short hair that jules had in bent like beckham they actually did look really similar and just like i was just an indian girl but like similarities here and there i don't think Mm -hmm. i look like parminder parminder now but maybe at the time yeah but uh but christine and i were very heavily into basketball and played basketball all the time as kids so we kind of had like those parallels it was cute
1: Picturing you playing basketball is the cutest thing that I could ever imagine.
0: I loved it. Point guard, baby. Just dribbling away. Yeah. I loved (laughs) basketball and I played all the time, like at school, on the schoolyard. Like I was obsessed. I was on like a team in like grade six and seven.
1: Okay. Like a rec team. Calling WNBA right now.
0: I wanted to be in the WNBA. Oh my God. That's so cute. (laughs)
1: I've seen so many pictures of young Persis and so I'm I'm picturing that like version of Persis just like dribbling a basketball and shooting
0: oh I remember my like we played at Durham College and my jersey my t-shirt was so long like it literally came (laughs) down to like my knees
1: but that's the style that was the basketball style back then it was a long shirt long shorts even for women it was a cool look yeah you'll probably looked baller
0: (laughs) i I definitely have a picture of Christine and I holding our little trophies. Oh, that's so cute. If we can we if if I, oh, yeah, sorry, find it, I'll send it, and we can post it on the um, on the channel and be like, the the modern day, or no, not the modern day. Oh my god, I'll be like Jules and Jess.
1: <laughs> modern day, <laughs> not modern, <laughs> not modern. We'll just be like, is this Jules and Jess? Yes or no, <laughs> or maybe.
0: But definitely, when I was older, and like starting to watch the movie because i'd watch the movie sometimes like why not i kind of love it it's like a comfort movie for me and i'd be like damn there is some queerness or there is tension between these two and i don't care what anyone says like there is something going on mm-hmm. but i think to start off just before we get in too deep um because i'm assuming like everyone's seen bend it like beckham but for those of you who haven't seen this movie bend it like beckham follows jess Bomra who's played by the lovely Parminder Nagra, and then Jules Paxton, played by Kira Knightley, who we love. And we love. it's on their journey, oh, sorry, follows them on their journey to being accepted by their families, but not as queers, but as female soccer players. And Jess in particular comes from a very strict British Indian family in London who won't allow her to play organized soccer, but then that all changes when she meets Miss Jules.
1: That's right. Um, And, I mean, we're not going to spoil the entire movie for y'all necessarily if you haven't seen it because if you haven't, you need to go watch. Actually, I would suggest you go watch it before this conversation, to be honest. Just stop the pod, go watch it, and then come back. Um, But they end up playing on the same soccer team, and they go through all of this family drama and friendship drama and there's a little bit of boy drama, but we're going to talk about that. Um, and come out on the other side as besties and soccer stars.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good. And like, it's very, um, like the soundtrack is like baller. I love the soundtrack of Bend It Like Beckham.
1: It's very 2000s. Wait, hold on. When did it come out?
0: I think 2002.
1: 2002, 2002.
0: I saw it in theaters. Did you? Yeah.
1: I don't remember the first time I saw it, but... I was very excited about it because I was obsessed with soccer. It's all I did growing up. It was my whole life. And here was this soccer movie, this women's soccer movie, which like never happened. So I remember being super excited to watch it. And then I was, I was pretty obsessed with it.
0: Yeah. And like, I just want to know when you watched the movie, were you, did you ever sense anything between their friendship or did you view it as just like two best friends playing soccer?
1: Definitely not. I viewed it as two best friends for sure. But, you know, I didn't have that queer little queer bone in my body, you know, asking questions. I was just, you know, I was like a baby bird being fed Thing I just took whatever I was fed. You know what I mean? I was like, yep, best buds.
0: <laughs> totally. And um, I want to get into these different metaphors and how they relate to queerness that Jill kind of calls out. And I'm not kidding. Like, I was on points like laughing so hard at the writing. So Jill, like, you're so funny. You're my spirit animal.
1: <laughs> Please come on the pod.
0: Yeah, I'm not even, we're not kidding. Like, come on the podcast. So Jill says in verbatim, there's a lot of metaphors in the movie, which holy shit is extremely homophobic for accepting yourself and your children as they are. But the only two characters that aren't viciously anti-gay, which is definitely not surprising, are Jess and um, Jules. So Jess actually accepts her friend, Tony. Do you remember Tony, Sarah?
1: I think so, yeah. Tony Tony is like her South Asian friend. Who, who also, also plays, plays soccer? soccer? Yep. Yeah, okay,
0: cool. But I don't think he plays on a team or anything. I think he just plays like in the park. Oh, <laughs> Like, because remember, that's the whole thing. Like, her her family's like, oh, like, you have so much fun playing soccer with your friends, like, in the park. You don't need to be playing – no, sorry, football. You don't need to be playing football, like, football. on a professional team.
1: No, I do – sorry, I do remember them playing. In, I don't know why that's so funny to me. Of course, I remember them playing in the park a lot. But I, I guess I'm just like, why wasn't he on a team? He loved soccer. He was so good at it.
0: I know, but and I don't – think- I don't think it was his like passion like it was Jess because I feel like there's a part in the movie where he tells her like football isn't everything and she's like yeah it is
1: yeah it is (laughs) sort of thing (laughs) got it because such a huge theme of this movie is about Jules and Jess being accepted being allowed to play soccer and that being their life as women so in my mind I, I remember there being more like male players on a male soccer team to like Create friction in that in that theme. You know what I mean. Like, look at all these men in my life who get to be play soccer, and meanwhile, I have to like prepare for marriage. In Jess's case,
0: yeah, I'd actually love to watch that back because I know that there's so many scenes of her playing soccer in the park with all these guys who are like her friends or Tony's and friends. She's
1: always schooling them. She's like, "Bing bang boom, trick trick trick." None of them can catch her. She's badass.
0: She's so good. And um, I think, like, when she's, I think it's, she loves Bendit like, I'm, she loves Bendit like Beckham. She loves David Beckham.
1: <laughs> yeah. In case, in case anyone didn't know, that's why it's called Bendit like Beckham because part A, Jess loves Beckham and they, so does Jules, right? And they like really idolize him because there are no female soccer players to idolize. And then also, if you didn't know, David Beckham is famous for having a bend to his, his kick. And so that's why it's called Bend It Like Beckham.
0: <laughs> I swear at one point, Jess goes, and who can bend a ball like Beckham?
1: Guys, I just want to apologize in advance because there's going to be a lot of British accents happening in this episode. And for any of our British listeners, like, we know you're offended. We're sorry. I don't know if we're going to be able to help it.
0: I'm sorry. Don't be offended. We're, we're saying it right now. Sarah and I were originally supposed to be cast in the movie. Like, <laughs> dreams are being crushed. Like, but first the song, now the movie. Like, how many no's can we take,
1: Sarah? It's rejection after rejection. And I know you said Christine Camozzi, whatever, whatever, short hair, whatever. But, okay, I played soccer. I could have really been the Kira Knightley um, character. At seven years old? Yes! I could have done it. Uh, easy. Easy peas.
0: Easy peas. I support it. Justice for Sarah.
1: Yeah. And obviously you could have been Jess. Jess Minder.
0: Oh, we could have been like the little version.
1: Oh, if they did a flashback, like yeah. Jess and Jules when they were seven. We could I have mean, been as Jules. Well. Jules wasn't a redhead, but that would have been so cute.
0: That would have been cute. Oh, but sorry. Speaking of Jules, um, I also wanted to give a shout out to her because in the movie she's also very anti or sorry she isn't anti-gay like a lot of the rest of the cast in this movie or characters oh my god let me say that again (laughs) i'm like saying the cast is homophobic clean it up um i want to also give a shout out to jules who also isn't anti-gay like a lot of the other characters in the movie like the older characters specifically um because Jules actually tells her homophobic mother, Paula, Paula was a little problematic. Um, Jules says, being a lesbian isn't that big of a deal after she's accused of being gay.
1: (laughs) I love, I love. (laughs) Jill, the writer of this article, says something about congrats on doing the bare minimum. And like, that truly is the bare minimum. Like, being lesbian isn't that big of a deal. (laughs) Like yeah. that, that's, that's their version of anti-gay. <laughs> that's their version of allyship.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: It's Listen. not that big a deal. No. <laughs> Listen, it was 2002. This was groundbreaking for 2002.
0: But it it's really funny because like, uh, Jill goes on to say, metaphors aside, the girl's aesthetic, like both of them, is ludicrously lesbian in her words. Um, Jules also says, just because I wear trackies and play sports does not make me a lesbian. Um, But there's a lot of, like, theories that Jules was actually secretly in love with Jess. So um, Jill goes on to say, okay, Jules, but you're ignoring some major signifiers, like being in love with your best friend who exclusively wears trackies And actually decorated her room with like an altar of David Beckham. There was like this massive photo of him on the wall. But it was like
1: a shrine. It was, yeah, it was like a shrine to him.
0: Yeah. Was it a a shrine? It was like a big poster and then some other stuff.
1: The way I remember it was it wasn't, there was a big poster for sure, but it wasn't just one. It was like, she like prayed to her shrine of David, like all these little pictures of him every night. That's how I remember it once again. Once again, it could be projecting something there.
0: Um, but then uh, obsession is a very gay quality. So that kind of made me laugh because I was like, just having like a shrine of David Beckham, even though it's David Beckham, is so gay. That's gay <laughs> as fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the obsession aspect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. <laughs>
0: Um, but then Jules, oh, I loved, like, seeing the rooms. Jules' room is also covered in posters of Mia Ham and other, in air quotes, big butch women in the words of her mother. At one point, this also happens in the movie, Jess's parents accuse her of kissing a man at the bus stop, um, but it was Jules, and they weren't even kissing. They were just, like, laughing. And Jess says, kissing, me, a boy, you're mad. You're all bloody mad. Of course, because she's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Me kissing a boy. That's what I say.
1: Oh, I never thought of that. See, I read that when I watched it as like, you know, she doesn't have any romantic bones in her body. Like, of course, she wouldn't be kissing anyone. She wouldn't be kissing a boy. But I mean, I mean, I I see,
0: I see it girl you're probably right but listen the gay part of me wants to unpack that and be like hmm.
1: well that's what we're here to do we're not here to I'm not here to be like you're wrong I'm here to say yes this is this is a gay love story that was never told properly
0: and Jules was wearing bandanas the entire movie
1: okay but bandanas are very 2002 maybe I am playing devil's advocate a little bit but
0: it's a def <laughs> but it's a definitive mark of lesbianism in the 2000s, according to okay. Jill
1: Gutowitz. All right, well, Jill, in Jill We Trust, I believe that. Um, also for the record, earlier I said something about how they loved David Beckham because there were no big female soccer players to look up to, I stand corrected, Mia Hamm was one of the one of the posters that Jules had on her wall among other female soccer players. So I just wanted to s- say for the record for any soc- soccer gals out there, um, my comment was not correct. And respect to Mia Hamm.
0: Yeah, take it back.
1: The one and only. I take it back.
0: What's Mia Ham is not happy. She's shaking her head. She shooketh. She shooketh.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I love that both Jess and Jewel. It is interesting that both Jess and Jewels are not homophobic. And everyone else in their life seems to be. I mean, this. Interesting. Very suspicious. You know who I
0: kind of want to give a shout out to when I find her so funny? Who? Is Jess's sister
1: Pinky. She's really fun. She's really good
0: in she's this movie. So good. And I love the actor and she's in so many other things.
1: Is she a Bollywood actor?
0: No. Um, okay. She lives in England. She's like a, just a British Indian actor. But she, I, don't think she's a, I don't think she's been in Bollywood films.
1: Her name's Archie Punjabi. And is, I can't remember, is she homophobic or is she accepting?
0: I low-key think she is... Um, she's, like, not necessarily outwardly homophobic. I really need to rewatch this movie because you can tell she has so much love for Jess that she, like, I think would be fine with, like, no matter what Jess decides to do. But I do know she acts, like, very suspicious of Jess, like, a lot during the movie, but I don't know if it's about, like, being homophobic. I think because Jess is, like, sneaking away to play soccer, she thinks she's sneaking away with a boy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make it, they make, they make everything about soccer. Like, the, the focal point is soccer and only soccer, I feel like, until the boy stuff comes in, which, once again, we're going to talk about, but... For anyone who hasn't seen Bendit like Beckham, the Jess's sister, her older sister, is very much like the uh, model Indian daughter. She's very interested in getting married, finding the right Indian man to settle down with. Like that's kind of what her whole life revolves around. and the the family unit is very invested in her wedding. Um, And so it's, like, major contrast to Jess, who doesn't give a fuck about getting married. Um, So that's, like, a big source of tension in the family.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, oh, my God. So many quotable, like, scenes from this movie. But just even, like, when Jess – sorry. There's a whole (laughs) very queer-esque scene, guys, I think, in my mind, when Jess and Jules go shopping for cleats. And – Jess tries to tell her parents, like, she was gonna get shoes for um Pinky's wedding, and um, they (laughs) they obviously like go to the pub, there's like people smoking around them, they get the cleats. Jess gets these shoes that like don't have a heel anyway. She's been out like all night and she comes home, and the parents are all like waiting for her, like (laughs) on the couch, like disappointed. And Jess tries to like run up the stairs with her cleats, and then Pinky steals the cleats and then grabs the other shoes and is like the, I just remember the mom's reaction is like these don't even have a heel and then they open up <laughs> the other box and it's like the cleats and the disappointment is so like they're just so angry and then I remember when her mom goes she like smells the cigarettes off of Jess and she goes "Chee chee chee cigarette <laughs>
1: Wait what? It says what does that mean? Chee (laughs) chee chee cigarette. What's that? It's like I'm. I can't can't breathe right now. I
0: I can't breathe when she goes chee chee
1: chee cigarette, and she
0: like. I think.
1: (laughs) I have so many questions. What does chee 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 mean? (laughs) It's just. does it it mean like no 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 or bad 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 I think like bad 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 okay my second question why were they in a bar to get cleats was it just like they they went shopping for cleats and then they went to the bar after
0: Sarah they were on like a day date so obviously you're gonna go shopping for cleats you're gonna get Jess's shoes then you're gonna go to the bar and get a beer
1: Okay, I love that. So they didn't get any shoes for Pinky's wedding, only cleats.
0: No, they did get the shoes for Pinky's wedding, but they were like these black, like, flat shoes.
1: Um. (laughs) Oh. And the mom Uh. was
0: like, these don't even have a heel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I thought the joke was that she opened up the cleats and, and was like, because she didn't even know what soccer cleats looked like, and said, oh, these don't even have a heel. Like, I thought that, that would have been funnier, don't you think?
0: I think that would have been funnier, but, like, no. I should have
1: written the movie.
0: Just did, just did get the shoes, but they, they weren't that cute. I actually do have to say. Sorry.
1: Well, I mean, it was 2002, so <laughs> we'll give her a little bit of grace.
0: Um, anyway, sorry, I went on a tangent, but chi-chi-chi cigarette, I think, means, like, bad. Like, like chi-chi-chi. <laughs>
1: Are you googling that? Yeah, because you don't even know what it means but you love it.
0: Because Hold it's on. funny. The mom is so funny. This mo- mother, the acting on this one. So impressed.
1: The mom is really funny. you know what? I love the dad too. I love the entire family. But Jess is my favorite. Chi chi chi. I don't know. I can't find I can't figure out what it means.
0: If anyone can tell us
1: well, what what um, what language does Jess's family speak? Do you do you know? I don't know. Maybe Punjabi. Their religion is Sikhism, so I don't know. I don't think that didn't answer, answer our question. I don't think, or maybe it did. Any Sikh listeners want to?
0: I think it's Punjabi.
1: Okay, I love that Punjabi. Sheesh.
0: Oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. If you search... Oh, Chi 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 cigarette smacks Jess's face. (laughs) (laughs) Jess says, I needed the loo, so I went into a pub with my friend. I had a Coke, smell my breath. What is Chi Chi Chi? They have the whole script here. It's so cute. Mrs. Bomra is watching an Indian karaoke show. (laughs) Mr. Bomra, can you change the channel, please? Oh, I have the whole script here. Wow.
1: Should we just read the script for the rest of the podcast episode? I think I think the listeners would enjoy that. But I'm you can pretty be sure. Jess, I'll be Jules.
0: Done. I think they would love that. We should do that. That would be, we were supposed to be in the movie.
1: A dramatic reading. hmm <laughs> Okay, what's the next? So the first metaphor we talked about was, I don't think there was a first metaphor we talked about.
0: No, it was kind of more just like, Okay, so yeah, setting it up. Okay. Yeah, setting up like Jess and Jules were definitely like very um, pro gay in the movie, like kind of sticking up for people. Like, Jess was very supportive of Tony. Jules was telling her mom, being a lesbian is not a big deal.
1: Right, right. And their aesthetic was very stereotypically lesbian for the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. But uh, I love this. Jill brought up gay gazing, happens happens quite a lot in this movie, particularly from Jules. So, before Jules even introduces herself to Jess to recruit her for the Women's Football League, she watches Jess from across the park twice. Like, she hides in the bushes, hides behind the trees, from the park benches, and, um, I mean, as a woman-loving woman myself, we gaze. We really do gaze. It's literally, according to Jill, 90%. Of women loving women relationship it's like a mating call
1: <laughs> i it.
0: if you like someone you will stare at them
1: i i've called them but i've said before on this podcast that your eyes like do a specific thing um and so i guess now we can just classify that as gazing when you like someone your eyes do something different
0: it's like a glossy gaze
1: it's like completely glossed over and they get so big <laughs> they're like saucers it's so cute
0: like a cartoon character
1: <laughs> like, yeah like you already look like a you kind of look like a cartoon character already cuz your eyes are so big and you have such like pronounced features and then you know it goes into overdrive
0: when i like someone i'd very much be a jules i'd be like okay this sounds really creepy but like watching them in the park yeah you'd be hiding in the bushes for sure yeah but at a colette Press tour, Kira Knightley actually told Pride Source that she wants a lesbian Bendit like Beckham sequel and agreed that her and Parminder's characters should have ended up together.
1: Yeah. Damn straight, Kira Knightley. If Kira says that, I mean. And we know it is. Okay, well, I love the gaze. I wonder, I'm sure there are multiple instances of Jess gazing at Jules as well because. I think Jules embodies something Jess really wants for a good chunk of the movie. Jules, even though Jules's mom is very strict and doesn't want her to play soccer, Jules is still allowed to play on the team and it's really good and teaches Jess a lot of her skills. Um, and so in the soccer part of this story, Jess is often looking to Jules for inspiration, motivation, And I'm sure part of that is like a a gaze of like admiration and ultimately love,
0: (laughs) which leads to big big crush,
1: big big crush, two cigarettes,
0: two cigarette. But um, they also, they're. I'm trying to remember in the scene. Oh, when when Jules and Jess are like hugging and laughing and they're really close and that. The family that's going to visit the Bomras, which is actually Pinky's fiancé's family. They're having like a meeting. That, the family sees Jess and Jules and that's when they accuse Jess of kissing a boy. I'm trying to remember if Jess says something like, no, I wasn't kissing a boy. And even if it was, I feel like she said something like it wasn't a big deal. If, if, she kissed, if she kissed Jules, and I want to, like, confirm that, but then someone from the other family says, like, oh, uh, they've heard about lesbians, and the last they heard was, like, she ran off with a woman and had short, short hair or something like that. I would need to find, like, what they said, but it was very much like, oh, we're so sorry for that family because we heard she ran off with a woman and dyed her hair blue and cut her hair or something.
1: I don't remember that part but it is I think the reason why one of the reasons and we're we're talking about all the reasons why this movie has been kind of like cemented in queer movie history now but I think one of the reasons for me watching as a straight person is that they talk about queerness a lot in this movie like it's referenced multiple multiple times and I think it was, that's why it's so problematic, right? Like me watching as a young female soccer player, what I was hearing was if you play sports, if you like are active and dress, dress in trackies, um, trackies, like if you are going to be perceived as gay. Because all of the conversation around queerness that happens in the movie, it's all related to them being sporty and them not caring about boys, essentially. But that aside, they talk about queerness a lot yeah. in this movie. There's that amazing quote, oh, Pisces. I thought, or a lesbian, I thought she was a Pisces, mm-hmm. which is my favorite quote it's from the iconic. movie, personally. It's so good. One of the aunties, one of the Indian aunties. Um, they, they're talking about lesbian or something. and Or Jess is a lesbian. And she's like, lesbian, I thought she was a Pisces. Um, like, they don't even know what that lesbian is a thing. And I don't know. I just think it's interesting for a film that is not supposedly a queer love story by any means. They talk about queerness so much. And there's a lot of other movies that have similar friendships like this that we're going to talk about um, that, that didn't talk about queerness as much as this movie did, especially for not just a 2002 film, but a British film. Yes. And, you oh, know, yeah the UK is often more conservative than than the North American audience.
0: Oh, for sure. I think it was very much like, like if I watched it back now, I haven't seen it in a hot sec, but I think I'm going to really pay attention to all the queerness mentions because I actually forgot that Jules's mom, for a good portion of the movie, thinks that Jess broke Jules's heart. And yeah. she weirdly, like, she almost weirdly, like, Doesn't that necessarily come come off as homophobic during this time? Because I think she's really understanding of Jules and thinks Jules has had her heart broken and she like hates Jess for it.
1: Yeah, that's that's, interesting.
0: So she like yells at Jess at Pinky's wedding and Jules is like, oh my God, mom, we were fighting over a boy. Like that's why we were fighting. And the mom goes, oh, okay. But then, and that's when even Jules is like, but even if I was, it wouldn't matter Kind of thing, and the mom's right. like, "Of course
1: not, sweetie. <laughs> of course not, sweetie." I my British accent is really bad today. No, purse you bring up a good point. Even though, like the the Jules's mom is does put her homophobia aside, it when she believes that her daughter has been hurt or wronged, and she's more concerned about her daughter's happiness in that in that moment than her daughter potentially being gay. I think it was so clear that this was actually supposed to be a queer love story, which is a point that you found in another article.
0: Yeah. I can't remember where, which article it was. I did like a lot of digging, but basically IndieWire once wrote about some of the problematic sides to Bend Like Beckham, which we kind of talked about, like the film's approach to sexuality and LGBTQ themes. Like Sarah mentioned, the movie assumes that women who want to play soccer are automatically lesbians. Mm -hmm. But I found this very interesting that apparently earlier drafts gave more weight to a queer relationship.
1: Earlier drafts of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more.
0: So the director and co-writer Gurinder Chadha, who I absolutely love, um, had said that in early drafts of the movie, Jess and Jules did actually end up having a romantic relationship but the
1: plotline was deemed too controversial fascinating yeah okay see i didn't know this that alone proves that this that this is a queer love story whether queer stuff happened on screen or not because there's no way that Gorinder would have come, would have gone 180 degrees the other way Like, she kept all of those sprinklings of queerness in the script. And now, you know, 20 years later, in a pretty substantial way.
0: No, you're right. And I think, like, to know that information makes it even better. And, uh, (laughs) well, we didn't even talk about, which is so funny, we literally didn't even talk about the male coach, Joe.
1: Well, so I I have a lot of thoughts about Joe that – will lead us into talking about these other movies i think a, i think joe is actually a big part for me of why i feel like this is a queer love story before we talk about joe i really quickly want to say person and i actually were in the same room as garinder Chada once i know we it's the best night your, of my life best night of your life i surprised my baby Uh, For her birthday with tickets to go see Bend It Like Beckham, the musical, which if you guys didn't know, it was turned into a musical. I have to say, you know, like a 4 out of 10 musical. But we had a great time. Doesn't matter how good it was. It was uh, showing in Toronto and we went and it it was awesome. There was a lot of like great Bollywood stuff happening and... Garinder Chada was actually there that night. She was in the room, um, and she came out and talked to the crowd a little bit. And it was really cool to see to see her first of all, and then to hear her talk about like the legacy of Benda like Beckham.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I was so curious to see how they were going to turn this movie into a musical. And i I think they did like the best they could. But like the <laughs> soccer scenes were so funny. It was like they were dancing with soccer balls and like kicking the ball around the stage.
1: That's the main thing I remember is that they, the dancers, I actually knew one of the dancers, shout out Darcy. She definitely doesn't listen to this podcast, but I, I love her. Um, but they had to dance with soccer balls and it was just such a disaster because the soccer balls are going everywhere. I remember like, you know, they would accidentally kick one and it would like go to the opposite side of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part though was the Bollywood dancing. There's a lot of great like, bollywood costume dancing music type of stuff happening that was my favorite
0: oh me too and the music too like like i said i feel like the soundtrack to bend it like beckham is actually very iconic and i want to give a shout out to mel c sporty spice they play like two of her songs on the soundtrack and she's known as like a gay icon so
1: well yeah did mel c pave the way for bend it like beckham mel c made being sporty cool yep
0: sporty space baby
1: so would bend it like beckham exist without mel c i don't know Guys, that's the
0: real question that's going to be the title of this podcast
1: i don't think bend it like beckham would exist without sporty space personally
0: me neither because we also wouldn't have that iconic i turn to you in the german club i turn to you like a flower leaning towards the
1: sun that's mel c yeah, yeah epic.
0: I turn to you. Oh my God. I'm going to play that right now.
1: That's some Jules and Jess's love song.
0: It is. And Joe's like in the middle.
1: Okay. Let's talk about Joe. So guys, we literally haven't even mentioned Joe's name and there's a reason why. So Joe is the male love interest in the movie. He's actually the coach of the girls' soccer team. So he's Jules and Jess's coach. And Jess has a big crush on him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has a big crush on Jules. Am I remembering that correctly? No. No,
0: no. Him and Jules used to date.
1: Oh, okay.
0: That didn't work out. So right. when J- Jess like asks Jules about him, cause she's like, what's up with the coach kind of thing. Cause Jess is starting to develop a crush and Jules is like, Oh, he's just like my best friend. He's, he's silly. He's this, it's Joe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then, then Joe starts to develop a crush on Jess and then the two of them are like all canoodles. And then Jules goes like, he's off limits. Cause I think at one point she did tell Jess like, Oh, he's so off limits for the girls because he's like our coach. Like, you can't go for him, kind of thing. Mm. But then I think one thing leads to another when Je- with Jess and Joe, and then Jules freaks out.
1: Yeah, off limits because he's their coach. Definitely not. More like off limits because I'm secretly in love with you.
0: 100%.
1: Okay, but the thing I want to say about Joe, he, he creates tension between the characters. Like Perza said earlier, they're like, they start fighting over him, and the mom thinks that they broke up with each other. But the reason why I think Joe is important is because his character is so boring, so lame. You don't leave Bendit Like Beckham caring in any way, shape, or form about Joe, okay? He's a flat character with no substance, and he's literally only there to serve a plot point. And so I feel like a lot of the movies that we're going to talk about where there is like A character trying to create like hetero a hetero love interest basically it's not a memorable character it's it's not like a substantial love story and it almost amplifies how much the other characters are actually in love so in this instance joe is just so lame that it almost it like shines a spotlight on how Jess and Jules' relationship is so strong and there's so much chemistry there. And of course it's framed as a best friendship, but like they're, they have so much fun together. Like they're, they are both, their personalities are so unique and lively and they're like fully realized characters. And Joe is just like a cute face. And this is my opinion, but this is going to be a common theme when we start talking about these other movies that we think should have or could have been gay.
0: Agreed. And also want to give a shout out to Jonathan Reese Myers. Listen, Jonathan Reese Myers.
1: Sorry, dude.
0: <laughs> we're sorry. But uh, you know what? I don't think it was It's you. not his fault. It's the no, character. It's
1: the, it's the character. It's the writing. Like, uh, this is what I'm saying. When Gorinder was told, oh, queer love story too controversial. You got to change this to, to, you know, include a hetero romance. I think Gorinder secretly was like, okay, sure. I'll write in a male character but he's going to be flat and boring and he's not really going to matter at the end of the day. Jess and Jules are going to matter the most. Oh yeah, because even
0: the the ending scene of Bend It Like Beckham, it literally ends on Jules and Jess waving to their families. And you're like, okay, they're off to go play soccer and be in love together because Jess is going to be flying all around the world. She ain't going to wait for Joe. I think at one point he says, oh yeah, you'll come back. And she's like, yeah, for sure. And then she's going off with Jules.
1: No, yes, yeah, spoiler alert. Joe and Jess, the, the love interest, separate by a complete ocean. Like we just don't care about Joe at the end. We just don't. I'm sorry. And I love it, and I think it was I think it was intentional. If at the very least to make female friendships and female empowerment be the main takeaway from the movie, right? At the very least, but I think At the very most to show that like if they weren't gay before the end of the movie after the movie finished and the credits started rolling and they went off to america together to play soccer they were gay
0: hell yeah listen and keira knightley wants a gay sequel so i'm just saying
1: i'm just saying girl not a coincidence so purse Let's talk about some other movies that would have been better if gay, or at least it would have been interesting to see a gay version of.
0: Yes, I totally agree. And Sarah and I picked these movies because similar to Bend It Like Beckham, we were saying like the relationships between these friends, people who are like perceived to be friends, definitely could have led to more. And I think that would have added like such an interesting twist to the movie, or even if it was like always known throughout the movie, I think it would have been like a beautiful queer love story. So the first one we want to talk about is a movie Sarah and I both love. It's called Very Good Girls.
1: Yes. If you guys haven't seen Very Good Girls, it's, it's kind of like an indie movie, so don't feel bad, but you should go seek it out if you can. Um, It came out in 2013. It's like a drama um, and it stars two, Two actors we love, Elizabeth Olsen and Dakota Fanning. I am such a fan of Elizabeth Olsen. I think she's so cool and so beautiful. Um, and just like we were talking about with Joe, in this movie, Very Good Girls, Elizabeth's character and Dakota's character, they fight over a boy, played by Boyd Holbrook, who I also love.
0: Do we care? Oh. <laughs> Sarah's getting passionate. She just hit the table and her headphone came out.
1: I'm just like... <laughs> I'm getting angry cuz I'm like, do we care about this boy at the end of the movie? No. We don't. He's he's stupid. He toyed with their hearts. He was like kind of cute gone by the end of the summer. Whatever. What's most important is the chemistry between Elizabeth and Dakota.
0: Yeah, and I know there there is chemistry for sure. Like they're besties. But There were some underlying moments where sometimes I wondered if, like, Elizabeth, like, was low-key into Dakota's character.
1: Mm. Like what?
0: I don't know. Just, like, when – oh, I don't want to spoil it for
1: anyone. Okay, spoiler alerts ahead if you haven't seen it. If you you don't want spoilers, skip ahead, like, one minute or 30 seconds or something.
0: (laughs) I don't know what it is, but I feel like I – could just sense so much, like, love in Elizabeth's character. She's, she's very, seems like a free love, like, open-minded, like, free bird type of person. And I just could see her, like, having that, like, same love for Dakota, whereas Dakota's character was a little bit more, like, rigid and a little bit more, like, quiet and reserved. So I don't know. I just think I could have, like, seen that potential with Elizabeth and, like, they could have, like, been such a cute couple together. Like, Elizabeth would open Dakota up. yeah yeah, there were just times where like when Dakota was becoming a bit more distant. I was like, I know they're trying to frame it. Like Elizabeth is, is jealous because of the boy, but I'm like in another world, maybe she's like missing Dakota.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Also side tangent, Dakota Fanning plays a female character that we see all the time in these like coming of age movies that irks me so much because it's like, who would actually want to be around this type of character she is moody she barely says anything it's okay to be shy and stuff words barely leave her mouth she's like boring to be around she's no fun she's like kind of mean also betrays her best friend yeah i don't know, i feel like we see these characters a lot that are like the like the cool like mysterious, quiet girl, and, like, the boy falls in love with her. And I'm like, are we really invested in this female character? I don't know. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, but I I remember watching the movie and being like, oh, she's just not being a good friend at this point. Like, do what you want to do. But at one point, she's actually being, like, mean to Elizabeth Olsen's character.
1: Yeah. I think, end of the day, this is an example where Elizabeth and Dakota had 10,000 times more chemistry than – the male love interest had with either of them um and it would have been really cool to see them have a summer romance like the like the two besties and to explore their sexuality that way before going off to college instead of instead of having like a stupid boy come in between them who like by the end of the movie you could care less about he has no character development
0: that would have been such a good love story because basically guys the story starts with these two girls going off to college and they are determined to like lose their virginities but then do you remember i'm sorry y'all spoilers elizabeth lies
1: i think she probably just felt like embarrassed maybe that this boy didn't like her back as much as she liked him she also spoiler was dealing with the death of her dad there's a lot that happens for Elizabeth throughout the summer. And so I think she kind of just like does what teenage girls do, teenagers in general do, and like lied a little bit about what happened.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. But, and then it kind of breaks up the relationship, I think, between Dakota and the boy. But anyway, long story short, guys, go watch this movie. It is actually really good. It's like a really nice watch. And, um, I do love all the actors, but Sarah brings up a good point. I don't like Dakota's character.
1: I, it's just like not a character I ever enjoy. Like it's not that I don't like quiet characters. I just I, I I like a female character who has a little bit more like oomph to them. I guess maybe that's just me.
0: Yeah, she no, she's just very boring.
1: Boarsville, USA. Okay, the next movie we want to talk about is one that we've talked about on the pod before, so we won't spend a ton of time on it, but it's Fried Green Tomatoes. It is the classic 1991 film starring Kathy Bates and Mary Stuart Masterson. We talked about it with our friends at Big Queer Book Club many episodes back when we did, like, a queer book-to-film adoption roundup. And uh, this movie has long been, like... In the queer canon because it centers around two women, also, also, you know, two best friends. But by all accounts, it's a queer love story. It's just like never explicitly queer. And so that's why we have it on our list because everyone listening who's seen Fried Green Tomatoes can agree that this already is a queer love story. But if it was explicitly queer, it would be just that much Better.
0: Yep, I totally agree. I think it would have been much better. And I also, well, we talked about this with a queer book club. Humans, I we love them. Shout out to you guys. We talked about guys. this where I was like, I would watch the movie and I'm like, wait, is this queer? And then there were many moments where um, Iggy and Ruth would be like in a scene together where I'm like, okay, now this is queer. But it was never explicit in the film, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. well, there are yeah. underlying tones.
1: And spoiler, the two of them end up like being lifelong partners, living together, Um, like they build a life together. But in the movie, it's kind of assumed that they're building a life as besties. Um, So I don't know. All I'm saying is Fried Green Tomatoes reboot 2020s with two young, hot actresses and make it queer, make it real queer.
0: I think that's needed. Let's let's uh let's start a petition.
1: Okay, yeah, we can do that. We'll start it this week.
0: Perfect. I would love to see it. Um yeah, next we want to talk about Bring It On with Missy and Torrance.
1: Bring It On, a classic, a classic, a staple of my childhood. Came out in 2000. Guys, if you haven't seen Bring It On, it's the quintessential cheerleader movie. It's so good also just like bend it like beckham so problematic when you watch in 2022 there are so many things that could not have been done in a movie today but we can't yeah. help but love this movie still
0: yeah and actually i'm more curious to know like do we did we sense between missy and torrance that torrance had a thing for missy i
1: sensed okay now I didn't sense this when I was a kid watching, but since watching it since, I sense something between both. So another aspect, so if you guys haven't seen Bring It On, it's about high school cheerleaders. Torrance and Missy are best friends. They're both on the cheer squad and it's just basically about them like, you know, winning the cheer competition and and being best friends. They also have like a friend fallout as, you know, friends always do in these movies missy though is the alternative girl she's the all kind of punk rock girl she dresses differently from the other girls and i think there there's definitely like an undercurrent of her being like the quote-unquote lesbian character like that stereotype of how a lesbian might dress and so watching it in later years i always felt like they both had a thing for each other and that Missy was kind of framed subtly, secretly, as, like, the queer girl who could, like, show Torrance what she was missing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, I could see that. I could see that. It definitely in, the, like, stereotypical sense.
1: In a very stereotypical way. But you know what I mean. Like, she, she like, dressed in a certain way that was different from the other girls at school. But I thought – I felt like it was a mutual attraction. And I just felt like they had so much chemistry as friends, as best buds in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, way more chemistry than, once again, the male love interest.
0: Um, I forgot, literally forget who it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he was played by an actor named Jesse Bradford. His name was Cliff I had a huge crush on him when I was young and I wa- I thought he was so cute. Oh my God. You guys will definitely recognize him. He is like, he was a total cutie. And he, I liked his character. Like he wasn't as flat as the other characters we're talking about. But still, you don't end the movie caring about Cliff. You end the movie being like, yes, Missy and Torrance. Like what a dynamic duo. Love them. Want to see only stories about them from here on out. Like who cares about Cliff? He's going to be gone in like a few months yeah
0: like you don't care for that storyline
1: no and there's this famous scene in the movie you guys will all remember if you've seen it where Torrance is having a sleepover at missy's house and she is brushing her teeth and then cliff comes in and starts brushing his teeth right beside her do you remember this like iconic scene of course and they're brushing their teeth and then they're like competing over who's going to spit the most spit out it's very flirty I was thinking when we were talking about doing this episode, can you imagine if that scene had happened with Torrance and Missy instead? Oh, oh, that would have been amazing. It would have been so playful and flirty and fun. And you, you know, you could have been, you could have perceived it as like best friends playing around with each other. But the tension, you know, there is like a weird sexual tension going on there because there's no words exchanged. They're just like staring at each other in a mirror. I was just like, how good would that have been with Missy instead of Cliff?
0: That would have been really, really cool. I wish we could have seen that. Right? That's a good point. Um, and then doesn't Missy walk in and she's like, what was going on or something? Yeah.
1: Yeah. For context, Missy and Cliff are brother and sister. So, so when Torrance and Missy become best friends, Cliff's always around. And he has a huge crush on Torrance. Because yeah. Torrance is super cute. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Top tier top tier, but I'm I'm sure we can all agree that a spinoff with Missy and Torrance getting, getting busy. I think Bring It On
0: did like a little reunion with like the cast and they all had an interview. I'm gonna go watch that later. Oh, love that. I wanna watch it. Can you send it to me? I will. And I wish the interviewer asked
1: that question. Yeah, what a great because it is in the it is in the conversation. Like the queer the queers are talking about this for sure. Uh, totally. Like uh
0: there's definitely got to be like Missy and Torrance fanfics out there.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And if you've written one, please send it to us. We want to read it.
0: <laughs> please. Okay, this one we really got to talk about because I can't tell if this movie is queer or not. Okay. But it's okay. Ocean's 8. And it's the characters Debbie and Lou played by Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Yeah. Are they are they partners? Were they partners? Were they broken up? What happened? What was that?
1: Yeah, and see, I wish I would have watched this right before recording so I could have it all fresh in my mind. When I so Oceans Eight guys, in case you haven't watched it, it came out in twenty eighteen. It's obviously a part of the Oceans franchise, but this one was an all female cast um, doing the the heist. Normally, it's like in the past, it was like George Clooney, Brad Pitt, but this time it's like pretty much all my favorite women. Lots of like queer, lots of um, women who are like queer icons: Sarah Paulson, Kate Blanchett, Helena Bonham Carter. So I thought that was interesting too. Like they purpose, they I feel like they purposefully had like queer icons in the cast. Regardless, Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett's characters are like the leaders of this heist, and when I watched it, I perceived them as best friends, but more partners in crime. Like more business partners than best friends is how I perceive them. You know what I mean?
0: I did until like there's a, there was something where Sandra says like references to them dating, but not so explicitly. Like she's talking to this guy and she says, Uh, what was Kate Blanchett's character's name? Was that one Lou?
1: Um, Lou, yeah. Her name is Lou.
0: So, yeah, there was something where Sandra, so her character Debbie, says, like, Lou is her partner, which can definitely be, like, a partner in crime, especially when they're, like, running all these cons together. But I swear there was a moment where she mentioned something where I was like, oh they might have had a thing in the past or a fling maybe it wasn't like relationship but maybe something happened between them
1: okay i just found an article called ocean eights oceans eights Kate blanchett and sandra bullock address their character's sexuality are debbie and lou just good friends so someone actually asked them in an interview while they were doing promo for the movie they said were they ever lovers was the question that they posed to Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett. And they said, no, they had never been lovers, but that doesn't mean they can't be um, in later episodes. And then Blanchett said, I think Lou has quite a lot of masculine energy. That doesn't mean that they're a couple, but they're very close. They've stolen a lot of stuff together. And that brings a couple close. So (laughs) Kate Kate and Sandy say no, but kate and sandy don't get to decide we get to decide because how many people watched oceans eight and thought those two are life partners not just business partners in crime life partners Absolutely, Uh, we definitely did this was one of the first movies actually that came to mind in recent years yeah for me
0: oh my god i'm just gonna say it now yeah
1: they are so if you guys haven't seen it they're more it's more than just a friendship like they are all each other has. Yeah. Like when, when Sandra Bullock's character gets out of jail at the beginning of the movie, who is picking her up? Lou, Cape Blanchett's Like no one else in the world would be picking Debbie up from prison except for Lou. And they instantly start to plan their next heist. So I would have loved just a little bit of something, something there. Just a little, like even a little bit of tension.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. I think I would have wanted like a little more, but it's interesting because like, as I watched it, I was just sensing so much big queer energy. I was like, these two gay, but yeah, I'm I'm here for
1: it. And I mean, let's not forget Kate Blanchett in Carol, which is an explicitly queer movie with Rooney Mara. Her playing that character and then playing this character in Ocean's 8, it definitely kind of like, Painted a bit more of a picture for me. Like knowing her from Carol and obviously a million other things because she's amazing, kind of added this like extra layer of queerness to her role in Ocean's Eight. I was immediately kind of like, okay, like. And also, she's Lou- got this like energy to her. Yeah, and like the
0: pantsuits. I'm sorry. Hello? Hello. Take oh me to God. church in those pantsuits.
1: Oh, baby. I had she's- such a crush on Lou. She's I a would- godly woman. I was like, Lou is hot. Yeah, I mean, also when Rihanna uh, comes out of her trailer in that red dress, I was in theater. I saw this movie in theaters and I remember the theater erupted. Like, I I have never seen... Oh my god, Pris, do you remember? I'm pretty sure
0: it was you and I and, like, two other people.
1: Oh, that was a fun movie to see in theaters. The, The audience was very, very into it and very reactive and, like, The reaction we all collectively had to how hot Rihanna was, it truly sent like shockwaves through the theater. (laughs) It was so funny. It was just ridiculous. Oh my God. Spoiler. Great spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Ocean's 8 yet. Just make sure you don't stop watching before the Rihanna red dress reveal because it's truly something to behold.
0: Just fast forward to that part.
1: Yeah. Okay, Purse, the next movie is one of your favorites.
0: Yes, um, we we really want to talk about Girl Interrupted because we actually missed this movie when we highlighted like our top seven queer films. I think someone DM'd us and said, oh, what about Girl Interrupted? And I thought, you know, what's so funny is that the film is not explicitly queer, but these two characters, Lisa and Susanna, played by Angelina Jolie and Winona Ryder, Were there was something going on? There was absolutely chemistry. So, just a little quick synopsis Um, in the movie: uh, Winona Ryder's character Susanna is a young woman who gets sent to a mental institution for troubled young women, Um, and that's where she meets Angelina Jolie's character Lisa, who's this like seductive sociopath. But anyway, throughout the whole movie, it's like very enduring. It's like actually my favorite movie of all time. But the friendship or like relationship between Lisa and Susanna is very interesting. Like Susanna develops this kind of like big infatuation with Lisa and like the way she kind of runs the in- not she doesn't run the institution but she like kind of does. Yeah. And the two of them actually share a kiss at one point when they like okay. escape the institution. Winona just like leans in and kisses her. And Angelina just, like, smiles. And then they both kind of just, like, look at each other. But then that's it. That's all you see. They never
1: talk about it again.
0: They don't. But then they have this, like, dramatic, like, breakup. Like, a friend breakup. Mm. um, Because Winona ends up going, like... Because Angelina's character, Lisa, is literally a sociopath. Like, actually sociopath.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, clinically. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) And I think Winona, like, goes, you're you're you have no soul you have no empathy you blah 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 and you don't i don't love
1: me like i love you
0: there's something like i don't know but
1: oh I, for sure
0: i found it very interesting that movie and uh i would have wanted to see more there was a point where the two of them were supposed to escape to florida and their whole thing was like winona was gonna be snow white and angelina was gonna be um Cinderella and they were going to like work at Disneyland. And I was like, why didn't that happen and we could have watched those characters like fall in love with each other?
1: Well, I mean, a runaway plot is so queer.
0: It's so queer and I wanted to bring up um Jared Leto's character who plays Toby. He's known to be Winona's kind of like boo thing who like comes to visit her and they like hook up and stuff when he comes to visit her at the institution. But similar to these other movies, he's not significant. All you care about is Lisa and Susanna. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's just there to, like, connect some dots. He's literally there to, like, distract you from the fact that it's such a queer story. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a distraction from the truth.
0: He's a complete distraction. And I want to confirm... Oh, okay. This movie was adapted from the, from the book Girl Interrupted that was written by Susanna Kaysen. So I, it's a true story. It's a memoir.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: And she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and was sent. And they do talk about that in the movie. That's what Susanna was diagnosed with. But I'm curious. I kind of want to read the book now because I want to know, was Lisa real? Like, who's that?
1: What was going on? You have to read the book. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't talk about it during our Big Queer Book Club, or did we? No. Okay. Yeah. You got to read the book and then we got to discuss. Maybe we can have um, that author on the pod.
0: Susanna Kaysen?
1: Yeah. <gasps> we I don't should. Know. That'd be cool. We could ask. I mean, listen, ask and potentially you shall receive. Actually, Where's yeah, She says no. Maybe we can totally
0: email DM her. Yeah, I'm down. <gasps> that would be like my favorite episode of all time if we yeah, can talk you, girl interrupted
1: you would lose your shit I have to watch the movie again because I only watched it once with you with my baby
0: with my baby oh did you get all tingly when Angelina and um Winona kissed
1: yeah I did I got all tingly inside
0: Susanna 73
1: oh wow okay she's has a lot of time on her hands probably <laughs>
0: How are we gonna get in contact with her i was gonna be like let's send her a dm
1: my grandma had an email address she was 92. it'll be fine we got it <laughs> contact her literary agent <laughs> okay and the last movie we wanted to touch on really quick just because we saw it in a few places in the interweb you know the queer interweb is the notebook guys you all know the notebook the famous romance that came out in 2004 starring ryan gosling and rachel mcadams one of my personal favorites i can't help it and i'm not gonna hide it i just love the notebook so much i've seen it a bajillion times we were thinking that it might have been cool maybe in an alternate universe if ryan gosling's character noah and um kevin Connolly's character finn who played best buds had a little bit of a queer romance going on. I just thought they had such great chemistry. They were so close. They did everything together. They worked together. They went to war together. Spoiler alert, Finn dies in the war. But what if, imagine this purse, Finn doesn't die in the war. They come back from the war together, two soldiers with a ton of PTSD. Noah still builds the house, and they live in that house together on the side of the river, and they're happily ever after till they die.
0: I know, but then, do what happens to Rachel McAdams? Like, was she just like a summer? She was just summer, a summer, fling? a summer
1: fling. Yeah, a beautiful summer fling. But she was just like all these other boys that we're talking about. She was just like a device to help Noah realize that he had stronger feelings for Finn.
0: True. So she was just like exactly. She was just like that character. You know, you kind of experience. You're like, oh, okay, cute, like fun fling, first love, even. Then it's like, wait a minute. Noah looks at Finn differently and is like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And then Finn goes, I've always been thinking.
1: Yes. And this definitely happens while they're, while they're at war. Because war times, man, you never know. Are you going to make it to the next day? You could, you could die any moment. So you got to tell the people you love them when you love them. Tensions are high. Things happen. They kiss for the first time, like on the battlefield or in the trenches or something. Why it's does like, love
0: I... always feel like a battlefield? Oh, A battlefield. And then that song plays in the background.
1: You know what I thought you were singing? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me.
0: Hell no. I got to sing Give It Up to Jordan unst, Sparks.
1: Unst, unst, unst. Um, yeah, Battlefield. A great song. Or, you know, the classic Love is a Battlefield. <laughs> Would probably be my pick, personally. That was just something I thought would be kind of fun in, yeah, like a parallel universe. However, I don't know if you saw this. I did see quite a bit of chatter online about just the fact that, like, the film itself has all the inner workings of, like, a queer romance, just in terms of the setting, the summer, the want-to-be-together-but-can't-be-together thing. Um, And that... It would have been really amazing if it was a queer love story featuring Rachel McAdams and, and another woman. Who knows who the other woman could have been? Like there's not really a character in the movie that would have sufficed, in my opinion. But do you remember the scene where her mom takes her for a drive to this like dirt lot and they see this guy working in the distance and the mom says, like, I was in love with him. Um, and I decided not to be with him and like, wow, how different my life would have been. And they're looking at this man. I saw this thing, this person saying online, like how powerful it would have been if it was a woman that they were looking at. And the mom was saying, I, I was in love with her and I could, I couldn't be with her. How different my life would have been telling her daughter, basically like, go, go with your gut, follow your heart, be with this woman you want to be with, even though it's 1940 five and you can't you know what i mean
0: oh my god i swear if the notebook was like gay that would probably go down in history as like the
1: best queer movie out there yeah because it's just like the quintessential love story and so take all of those factors that already exist and you don't have to change anything except for like the characters (laughs) and the plot. But like, you know what I mean? All the elements are there to just make it like, mm, so good. Wow, that, that
0: should have happened.
1: Well, I, I kind of think the notebook is like perfect the way it is. And as a straight girl, I do love having like Noah and Ali as something I can look at and yearn for. But if you know, there was like a spinoff or something or like a someone recreated the notebook. And called it something else and made it queer, you know, like you could do that. We could do that.
0: But that's the thing. I think now we have all these opportunities to create more queer films because we do have a lot of hetero films, right? Like romance, especially. And we always talk about how like queer films, there isn't a lot. That's why people were even like, what do I watch below her mouth? Like I need a queer film. Yeah. Um, especially like a women loving women, like sapphic film. That's not like all about sex. Mm-hmm. I want, romance and I don't want it to be hinted at I want it to be explicit and I want it to be like the notebook so Sarah and I are going to work
1: on that together yeah we'll start writing a script it'll be called um the iPad Ew! <laughs>
0: I'm kidding. I don't like it no it would have to be it would be taking place back like I think we'd make it like older.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would be in a different times time zone, <laughs> a different time period for sure. Um, yeah, okay, we'll start to work on that. If you guys have any ideas for like plot or characters, just like hit us up, send us a DM at GirlX Girl Podcast.
0: You know what it, it could be called? What? Uh, take care.
1: Like Drake.
0: <laughs> no, because they they always sign their letters with take care. Oh, or like, or like, long time, or like, love you long time. That's too cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> love you long. Time.
1: I th- I think it's good as something like cryptic, like take care. I yeah, like it can't be like yours or dear John, or it has to be like sincerely. I like take care,
0: <laughs> that is very Drake.
1: Take care. Sounds straight. Yep. Oh, really? No, no. Drake, Drake. Oh, Drake. Oh. Yeah. That we might get sued by his lawyers or something. We'll see. We'll We'll think about it. We'll keep thinking on it. Yeah. We'll come up with something brilliant. We always do. We always do. Purse. Thank you so much for talking about movies with me today. I just love talking about movies so much. I hope that you guys like when we talk about movies, I hope it's not a bore.
0: Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And honestly, this inspired me to like want to watch these movies and kind of in a different light, especially um, Bandit Like Beckham. Going back to that and all the queer themes, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch that with like, I mean, I have queer eyes, queer eye, but I definitely am going to watch it like <laughs> with more oh. 2020 vision.
1: Me too. I am too. And I hope that everyone listening does the same. It's honestly, first of all, because it's fun. It's just kind of fun to look back at these movies and imagine uh, subplots, essentially, that aren't explicitly being stated on the screen. But also because, as we have said many times, we still don't have enough representation in film. Um, you know, it's really getting there. Things are changing, things are moving, but in our opinion, it's still not enough. And so, um, for persis and so many other queer people growing up in our generation you had to grasp at straws essentially for these straight quote unquote straight movies to like find the the queer representation that you weren't seeing um and so the more we talk about this kind of stuff hopefully the more um films are released that are just in your face queer
0: that's all i want to see
1: I know you do. That's all you I want to now a, on. You want to see a lot of stuff in your face.
0: <clears throat> mm, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I don't like that. Anyway, sure. um, on on that note. um, <laughs> That guys, grossed me. I don't
1: want to think about you <laughs> with stuff in your face.
0: With like, I don't know. Think of me with like, yeah, actually, we won't go there. We won't go there. Sarah's getting
1: uncomfortable. There. I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm getting flushed. <gasps>
0: Flushed and flustered. Flustered. Sarah. The gays are going crazy. The gays are are. going wild today.
1: They are. And honestly, for good reason, in my opinion. This This is pretty wild.
0: Oh my goodness. I was like, what is happening? Are we living the outward right now? But basically... Guys, we all know Fletcher, right? We love Fletcher. She teased her new song this past week and actually released what the title of the song is. And it's called Becky's So Hot. If you want to know why that matters, that is the name of Fletcher's ex-girlfriend, Shannon's current girlfriend. So Shannon's girlfriend's name is Becky. Like. What? So at first, which is really funny, Fletcher was teasing the lyrics, kind of like doing all these dances, stuff like that, saying, Are you in love like we were? If I were you, I'd probably keep her. Makes me want to hit her when I see her. Cause blanks, so hot in your vintage t shirt. So she used to not say Becky. They used to like take that sound out.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So all it said was,
0: so hot in your vintage t-shirt. So I thought she was talking about like Shannon, like Shannon's so hot in the vintage t-shirt.
1: Right. Or another ex. Or another or ex. probably Shannon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess like could be another ex, but I, at the time I was like, oh, it's probably Shannon. Um, But then when she released the song with Becky's name, it actually says, makes me want to hit her when I see her. Cause Becky's so hot in your vintage t-shirt. Ooh, she's the one I should hate but I want to know how she tastes. I kind of want to hit her when I see her. Becky's so hot in your vintage t-shirt. And then Shannon tweeted. Savage. Shannon tweeted saying, an empath would never, and unfollowed Fletcher off of all social media.
1: Oh, I didn't know she unfollowed her. Okay.
0: Yep. And a fan commented on uh, some post, I think, saying like, okay, for real, did Shannon and Becky give Fletcher the thumbs up to go forward with the song? And Becky commented just saying no.
1: This was pretty shocking. Even for someone just gaggling out here on the outside of the queer community, like, has this ever happened in this way? I was trying to rack my brain for like famous songs that were written about other famous people and it's so rare that one would name someone so explicitly. Like, it's obviously happened um, in, in like music history. But usually it's just like they're naming their ex or the person that they have a crush on. But to name your ex's new partner and say that, not in a way to be like, screw them or I'm jealous of them, but to say like, I want to be with them. Has that ever happened?
0: I think that's what kind of also shook me because I thought like, whoa, like I think it would be one thing, like you said, if Fletcher's like, oh, I miss Shannon and like, screw this new girl. Even and then even if she she didn't name drop, I'd be like that, you know what? She's an artist. Like it makes sense. That's what you're gonna write your songs about. For sure, yeah. But she's explicitly saying, Becky is so hot and I wanna taste her. And then the new shirts, she came out with these shirts where it says blanks, so hot.
1: Yeah, ah. shirts are actually kind of cool. <laughs> I, I I would wear that shirt, I think.
0: I would too. But I wanted to talk to you about this just out of curiosity. I mean, I know this is like really good, like people are talking about this in the sense like Fletcher's getting a lot of talk, but also probably a lot of followers. But do we think this is crossing a line?
1: Um, okay, I have some thoughts. My, my first, the first thing that came to mind with this like immediately was publicity stunt, exactly like you said. This is the kind of thing people are going to talk about. This is the kind of thing that's going to make people listen to the song over and over, maybe follow Fletcher if they haven't already followed her, maybe dig into her catalog, become a fan of hers, buy a ticket to her show, etc. Um, And in that case, it feels like crossing a line because you're doing it for um, – like, very selfish monetary reasons. You're, like, trying to, trying to uh, make headlines, essentially. Um, But on the other hand, you're, when you're an artist, like, there shouldn't be limits on what you can create. Fletcher's someone who has always spoken candidly about her exes in her music. Um, I mean, I just had sex with my ex in a New York apartment. Like... She's never shied away from being very candid. This is like a whole new level for her. But there is a part of me that thinks like, who are we to say that she can't say this in a song if she thinks her ex-girlfriend's new girlfriend is really pretty? Yeah, I mean, because her new girlfriend is really hot. Like, she's a hot girl, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek. Like, it's kind of funny, right? But I don't know. (laughs) The last thing I'll say is the reason why I think it's so cheeky and actually really smart is because it's so queer. I couldn't – so say I was writing a song about my ex-boyfriend. I couldn't do that same thing. I couldn't do what Fletcher's doing. It's, like, so uniquely gay. Um, And I I think, like, as an admirer of her as a a gay artist, I think it's, like, kind of smart as a concept as a concept
0: i totally agree and i mean listen the lesbian community even in toronto is very very small the chances of your exes dating each other or like you like well this is pretty this is pretty unique to the fact that fletcher is just saying like shannon's new girlfriend's very hot and she wants to hook up with her but i think like sometimes with the queers Sometimes that can happen because it is really small or there's a lot of like, I don't know, people have crushes on each other or whatever. It can be messy. But Mm -hmm. I guess I'm only looking at it in the perspective of like, listen, I don't know Shannon at all, but I could only imagine like how weird she must feel. Because from how I viewed their relationship, I like, even how they dealt with the whole um, sex with my ex EP and Shannon was so involved in that project and was obviously, like, very vulnerable. And I think for this to happen, like, two years later... Feels like a
1: violation.
0: And she's... And I follow Shannon. Like, she seems, like, in a very happy relationship with this new girl, Becky. Yeah. And I'm sure she must be like, what the fuck? Like, if I was Shannon, I'd be pissed.
1: Yeah, I think I would, too. I think I would, too. And, of course, Fletcher has every right to to write songs about her ex and Shannon knew that would happen but in my opinion I think the biggest place where this is crossing a line is with Becky because poor Becky she's just like dating a girl she loves yeah seems like a very happy relationship seems like a healthy relationship imagine if you were just minding your own business and now for the rest I mean this might be a little dramatic but for the rest of Becky's life this thing is going to be following her this song that names her it's literally the title of the track like it kind of almost reminds me of like the jake gyllenhaal taylor swift thing where like jake gyllenhaal literally had to turn off the comments on his instagram because they were all taylor swift fans being like where's the scarf jake give her back the scarf my swiftie my swifties will know what we're talking about but it it reminds me of that on obviously a smaller scale but it's like this kind of thing will just follow you. Like, imagine all the people commenting on her pictures now be, with, like, Becky's so hot. I want to taste her. You know what I mean? Which, it just, if I were her, I would feel so uncomfortable. Sure, it's a compliment, sure. <laughs> but I would feel really weird, uncomfortable, and, and violated. Like, my relationship that I'm working on, that I feel healthy and safe in, has been, like, publicly violated by an ex of my new girlfriend it's just weird
0: that that's what I mean I think I as much as I'd be like oh yeah it's not like Fletcher's saying anything like rude about Becky she's in fact just complimenting her and being like you're so hot oh my god but I'd feel uncomfortable especially like people are saying like I hope their relationship is going to be okay because that could also probably cause a lot of weird tension that's like not caused by them You know, it like puts like a little, this was weird. Like your ex just wrote this about me and clearly is still like thinking about you, but now thinking about me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the trippy part is the sure the song's about Becky, but ultimately, let's be honest, the song's about Shannon. The song's about like how Fletcher still can't get over Shannon and their relationship and is still following what Shannon's doing is clearly jealous. When she says, if I see if I see her, I might want to hit her or whatever, which I hate that line. Um, but, like, she's saying both Becky's hot, but also I'm jealous of Becky and I miss Shannon. So both partners of that relationship, both Becky and Shannon, are, like, feeling some type of way. She's meddling in this, like, healthy relationship. It's so immature. But
0: also, Fletcher dropped a song called Birthday Girl on... Their birthday, both of them share the same birthday, Shannon and Fletcher, which a lot of people also were like, whoa, because she's fully saying like, birthday girl, do you think of me? Because I think of you. Who are you going to kiss at midnight? Once again, she's an artist, of course, but I think it's just, it's just so many things happening and I'm like, I could only imagine Shannon obviously heard that and she's celebrating her new, like her birthday birthday probably thinking about Fletcher because they share the same birthday but is also in this new relationship like that would trip me out
1: yeah I mean Fletcher just puts it all out there she really does and that's her prerogative and I think she does it well I mean she's successful um and as much as we're having this conversation about is this crossing a line? The fans are also loving this. Like, come on, they're loving the drama. They're living for it. So she knows what she's doing. She's she's a businesswoman at the end of the day, and she she feels really deeply, as we know, and she's just like putting both of those things out there on the line. But I'm just saying, if I was Becky or Shannon. I would just be a little annoyed. You know what I mean? I'd be like, can you just like move on?
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Especially like even after the whole EP dropped, like Sex with My Ex. I think like, yeah, that was an amazing EP and like so cool to see like two exes collaborate on something like that. But you're right. It's like two years have passed. Clearly, Shannon is in a different place and seems like a very happy place from what we can see on social that if I was her, it would be bringing me all the way back.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the chapter should have closed with sex with my ex. And of course we knew that future music would be, would have sprinkles of Shannon in it because you're always going to have all those past relationships as a part of you. But for it to be this explicit, like birthday girl, Becky's so hot. This is, it's like the breakup just happened or something. You know what I mean? It's like they just broke up and Fletcher's feeling bitter. No pun intended yeah like I'm bitter, I'm bitter, I'm, yeah she's bitter girl that song has a whole new meaning now
0: i'm seeing fletcher in october in toronto i guarantee the song like i could just imagine the audience screaming like Becky, so hot in your vintage t-shirt
1: oh yeah the crowd's gonna go wild for that like i said it's a great move for her career i i personally think because yeah, it's a risky move, but it's not the type of risky move that's going to get her canceled or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's going to stir up conversation like the one we're having now, but ultimately it's going to it's gonna create buzz and uh, it, the buzz is going to carry through for this entire album cycle because she's about to drop a new album.
0: It's going to carry through.
1: The puns, girl. I didn't even mean to do that one.
0: What's funny though is that I also think it was a smart move for her career, and I don't think she's gonna get canceled. But a lot of people who really love Shannon are saying like that wasn't cool. Mm. Like, like mm-hmm. Fletcher crossed a line, and someone. I think it's gonna. I think there's gonna be two sides because there are some diehard like Shannon beverage fans who like love her, and yeah, uh, I could totally see them being like, "Now we we're pissed." for you because the two of them have always had such an amicable from what we can see once again, publicly an amicable thing. So once Mm. Shannon tweeted that many people were like, Oh my God, Shannon, love you. We're thinking of you. It's very much like fandom culture where they're like jumping on Shannon's
1: boat. For sure. But I can't imagine any of those super Shannon fans not listening to future Fletcher songs because if they love Shannon, they're going to want to hear what Fletcher has to say about Shannon and her music. So even if they're standing for Shannon, even if they're going to like boycott Fletcher, I mean. They won't boycott you, Fletcher. They won't because, yeah, because imagine like the celebrity you're most obsessed with has an ex to continuously write songs about them. Like you're going to have to listen to see what they're saying because you're obsessed with it. You want to know all the inner details, all the behind the scenes. That's so true. Yep. Fletcher, smart move, bold move, wouldn't have done it myself, R- pretty rude, <laughs> and uh, pretty self-absorbed, but I mean, are we are we that surprised? Not really. Did we ever think Fletcher was like, you yeah. know, not a little bit thinking about herself most of the time? Seems like that in her music.
0: Well, yeah. And also like, you know what? Sometimes you kind of got to do that in like that type of artistry, you know? Like you got to push boundaries and if it's what's going to help you and if that's how you're feeling and if you're feeling that way, maybe she's like, fuck it. Yeah, I do think Becky's so hot and I want to sleep with her. So that's what a cool angle.
1: Yeah, and I think it's actually a big move for gay music. I actually think, I think it's a pretty like, like very obvious gay anthem but yeah it's just like very in your face gay which we you know we want more of so it's kind of a great kind of a great piece of uh representation for gay girls everywhere and it
0: is very l word-esque very much like so much and like like that happens a lot in the queer community like people date each other and Yeah. yeah so it's almost like not that shocking i think it's just that I think it's more the relationship between the two of them that seemed so amicable. And then it was like, Oh, this got blown up. Okay. Might not be okay for a little bit. Well, I'm going to go say a prayer for Becky and Shannon tonight.
1: Please do. I'm going to say a prayer for Fletcher (laughs) that this doesn't backfire and ruin her entire career. And, but if it does, Hey, she's welcome to join girl on girl podcast. Well, I was going to say, Fletcher, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the pod to discuss this. I mean, I hope we didn't say anything that offended you. I might have. But like, we love you and want to talk to you about this. So come on the pod, an exclusive girl on girl. (laughs) You did
0: call her a pretty selfish, but it's okay because I came to her defense. I came
1: to her defense. Yeah. And this is what we're all about on Girl on Girl. Healthy debate. Yeah. Thanks for uh, hanging, guys. Love y'all. Doesn't it feel like we're talking to a live podcast yeah because now we're experts at live podcasts. oh my god well just like a tiny disclaimer before we sign off we we know we already mentioned this on our um on our socials and stuff but we know the audio for the live event episode wasn't like the great quality audio y'all are used to hearing on the pod when i say great i mean mediocre um but uh, thanks for listening anyway, if you did. And we hope that you guys could, one, hear it, and two, enjoy the show.
0: Yeah, exactly. We hope you liked it. And truly, we do hope to do more of that in the future. So more to yeah. come. More to come. We'll keep you all posted. All right. Love you guys. Good night, Sarah. Love you. Night, pee. It's nighttime for me. Night, night.